everybody, this is Drew. This is Blake. And you're listening to the Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Controllers podcast. Hey everybody, today's episode we're doing... 19. Uh, today's episode 19, and we're going to do it about just one game. The reason we're tackling one game is it's a big enough game that we want to actually be able to talk about it without feeling rushed, because a, a lot happens in the game, and we'll do our best to not spoil anything, but it's just it has a lot of lore, and it encompasses a couple of different games, and we'll briefly touch on those but our main focus today is a game called uh, shadows awakening first and foremost a little bit of behind the scenes it's uh, put out by a developer called games farm and they were formerly called uh, 3d people they're a uh, slovakian company that i really couldn't find much on other than the fact that they're responsible for this series of games uh, based in uh, what is called the Heretic Kingdoms. The series, what the series like, this is two games right now? Well, it's three counting this one. Okay. So and this is the first one on console though? Yes, I think the first two were on PC. But a little stuff beforehand, they had a um, an, origin, uh, an original publishing company as well but that company actually went bankrupt during all of this and that's what I think it took them so long to put out the the games because the, the original game that came out only on PC was called uh, Cult Heretic Kingdoms and then uh, in America like that's because it was released in Europe first and then when it got ported to or translated to English and for America they just switched the title around, and it was called Heretic Kingdoms The Inquisition. That's the first one. They just kind of swept it around a little bit. And that came out in sometime in the summer of 2004. And it just kind of built on this world where mankind tried to free themselves from these deified overrulers. And the, the whole... I didn't read much into it, but that whole story involves the hero eventually having forged and then well acquiring materials and having forged a weapon called the God Slayer where he freed mankind from these deified rulers. And then it took ten years in two thousand and fourteen in order for this second game to come out. Is this the one we played? Sort of. Sort of sort of. What we played was called oh well the second game was called Shadows Heretic Kingdoms. And that was going to be a uh, multi, what's called, like a multi-volume game, again. But the company had, there was originally supporting uh, Games Farm had gone bankrupt. So like they had a ambition beyond their means. I think so, and with the world that they built, uh, you can see it because they have a 
we'll get into that in a little bit with the lore and the creatures and the peoples. Mm-hmm. But with this one, the Shadows Heretic, I think this is what they had. And to try to recoup money, they pushed it out before they were ready. Because another company who bought them up for their uh, publishing rights or whatever it was yeah. called uh, Calypso Media. They're fairly known. Well, they they might have bought the whole IP. That is a possibility. But the... Uh, words. Calypso actually is keeping a promise that the original... I couldn't find the original company's name because they, they just went bankrupt. They were apparently unimportant enough to not even be remembered. Yeah. But they had made a promise to fans that it is uh, broken into two books. Book one and book two. Shadow's Heretic Kingdom was going to have a second part and it never came to fruition until four years later when they finally got enough backing from the Calypso Media and uh, they sourced out to a few other people. One pers- one uh, company in particular, oddly enough, called International Hobo, really? a.k.a. iHobo. <laughs> They're a consult... Con- consultory? Con- uh, word, hard on Consultory. Mm-hmm. Con- that's the whole point is they uh, help consult and help doctor games and te- and show people where they can help get funding from. So they helped, they jumped up and helped. And so what we finally get in 2018 is the game that we played called Shadows Awakening. And Shadows Awakening contains book one, which is Shadows Heretic Kingdom. And then the finished book two which Heretic Kingdom didn't get till way later. But the promise that I spoke of a little second ago, that Calypso and the original publisher said that anyone who previously owned Heretic Kingdoms would get Book 2 as a free patch update. And they actually kept that promise to anyone who would already previously owned the game on PC. Yeah. But then, to again, because they're a big company, the Calypso Media wanted to make as much money as possible. So they took Shadow's Awakening, which is book one and book two, put them together, and then they released them on, believe, all consoles. I think it was Switch. No, no, no. It's, I think it's just PC, PS4, and Xbox One, as far as I know. They may have updated things, as far as I know, to recoup money. And so we played it on the Xbox. Of course. Whew, yeah, that was a big intro, guys. Sorry, there's just a... People... Weird history. Weird history, people who are trying to do something cool, be creative and, you know, follow their dreams, which is always applaudable. And they finally actually, it took them, what I just say, 10, 14 years, almost. All, all this work for a game that nobody's played. But I think, I mean, it's, it's, they wouldn't have backed it if they didn't think that it had financial potential, I would assume. Yeah. Uh, do you want to give a... Well, we gotta get to we'll get to the the type of game it is. The easiest way to explain the game, I don't like this. It's the quickest way. Is it's a Diablo clone, you know, in a way. I don't know what else you call this genre. People people sometimes just call these action RPGs or I've always called them top down dungeon crawlers. Yeah, or top down dungeon crawlers. But it, the the most famous one being Diablo. Diablo and the Baldur's or, Gate series. Well, the Baldur's Gate. Dark Alliance. The original Baldur's Gates aren't that. Oh, those Dark Alliance ones are? Okay, my Only bad. the Dark Alliance games are, but they're pretty much just 
where your camera is way above, you see a little dude and your camera is way high above you and you just run around murdering stuff around you is, the, is what the game is. We're pretty big fans of this genre. Normally, these genres tend to be co-op. This one, strangely enough, is a completely uh, single player. We'll, we'll get into why why it seems like it should be single player, but also maybe with a little work, the game could have been could have been co they could have made co op work. I see I, I, you, when you play, you kind of see why they didn't, but I think it would have been doable, and maybe the game would have maybe would have done a little better if it had because co op is a good a pretty big selling point, especially on this genre. Um, but I, if they were struggling for money, maybe they didn't couldn't have didn't want to spend the extra production cost to make it co op. Yeah, yeah. Because that does cost quite a bit more, doesn't it? I assume. But initially, you do. It is unique in a way. Most of these games start with you uh, picking a character class from a like a list of you know. They typically have your warrior, your mage, a rogue, and stuff like that. All these games tend to start like that. This one starts a little differently. Is that you're playing as a, a demon called a devourer, and he's talking to the guy, this hooded guy, who has summoned him to uh, do do some work for him. There's a long, complicated thing here, but anyway, you're playing as Devourer in the opening moments of the game where you're floating around, what's it called? It's called the Shadow Realm? Shadow Realm, Spirit Realm. Same Sh- thing. So it's kind yeah, of they all, interchange the words. Yeah, you, yeah, you kind of, yeah. You do all that, and you end up, you're in a, uh, a tomb. Like a mausoleum. Like a mausoleum. Tomb. Yeah. And you do all some talking and run around the museum, uh, killing some ghosts and stuff like that, and you eventually come into this room where there's three... Uh, three mausoleums, and this is where you get to where what would normally be uh, choosing your character class or your main character, all of which are people with stories, I guess we could say. We have the uh, Kalig, the barbarian warrior type. Uh, I, I, I don't know the names of the other two. Uh, Evia, the sort, the daughter of fire. She's a fire mage. Mm-hmm. And then you have, uh, what was his name? Jasker. Yeah, the rogue. The hunter. Hunter, okay. Yeah, archery. So, our games, our main base games turned out to be a little different uh, because of who you choose kind of has a bit of their own story. We'll kind of talk about how our stories are, are varied because those different characters can go to different places and do different things. As it turns out, we didn't realize that until we, we were talking about it while we were playing it. Uh, in this genre, I tend to always default to warrior types. It's just me, and Blake always defaults to the mage types. So as you can guess, I chose Caleb without any it putting any thought into it whatsoever, and Blake chose his mage without any thought whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'm a, and then when you take when you pick a person, the devourer devours that person's soul. It's kind of what he does. It's his only gig. And now you're given the the thing where you can actually swap between the Devourer and your, your main player character. It's really neat uh, because when you're the Devourer, you're in the shadow kind of round version of the same map you're running on, and you just tap the left or right bumper for us, and you switch to your main character who is actually, their body has been reincarnated, I guess reincarnated, yeah. into the living world as they're still technically the same person. So. Uh, they have been thought dead, and you start talking to people who uh, thought you were dead. Mine was a little different from. So, before you go, Kalig, when you come out of when you come out of the mausoleum and out of the catacomb place into that into Kalig, the first town you're in, I forgot what it's called. It has several different names, but anyway, the town you're in is actually Kalig's hometown. Like he runs a. 
a guild, guild of steel. The guild of steel, like a warrior's guild. So he's actually known. So he's actually in his hometown. So it changes my story a bit. So Blake's is a little different. How, how mine works is people know Drew's character. His character, Kalig, and Jasker have only been dead approximately a year, according to the game. Evia uh, has been dead for 300 years, <laughs> is how her story picks up. She was a member of the royal family of the kingdom where this town now resides 300 years. It might be 500 years it's later. I think it's three. Three or five. I think it's three or five. And so she's very confused about what is going on. Where is the castle? Because everything's different. Three hundred years later, and so that's how our story started differently. But once you get to the town, did you ever? Did you go speak to the the Guild of Silk people and do side quests for them? Yeah, that's all the okay. So the quest you have, except for the guy at the Guild of Silk knows Caleb. I assume your person didn't know who you were. Had no idea who I was. So that the dialogue's different. The person knows who Kay, like the guy, the guy of Silk knows who Caleb is, and they they already have a, a rapport a bit. You actually got to also explore inside the Guild of Steel. I never got to set foot in there. You can go. You can go in there. I wasn't See, I go in there. We fi- come to find out. Uh, it's not really. We'll, we'll dance around spoilers. Maybe say a couple of things that are spoilers. There's a bit of a spoiler warning. This is found out right away that. Uh, Caleb was betrayed by his son and killed. Uh, I, I can't remember if his son killed him or his son had him killed, but his son is now the current guy running the Guild of Steel. So you go in there and you find all that stuff, and you have, I have a whole thing where you chase your son out of the city, which you, which you never even see. You, I do a whole whole quest line. We, we, do, we both work for the Guild of Steel, just doing, doing a couple of fetch quests. Yeah. They kind of get familiar with the game kind of quests. Go kill some rats, which you always do in this genre of game. Just go fetch some things, kill some spiders, all the normal stuff you do with the Guild of Silk. But I have a whole thing inside the town where I get to go inside the Guild of Steel and chase down my son, who ends up escaping, which I, I get back to him a little later. Do you have anything additional because of... In the hometown... Not hometown, but in the starter town, rather. No. I, my, my dialogue didn't start picking up until after we got... No. There's one thing... Something, something that I didn't see or don't get. Well, you saw it, but you didn't see everything of it, because there is a through the story, through the fighting of the spiders, you go deeper and deeper into these crypts and then into these catacombs. Yeah, and it leads to a secret passage that lets you escape the city because it's currently under siege by a rival kingdom. Yeah, but during these catacombs, there is an imperial tomb. For Drew, he fought uh, the guardian of the tomb. Yeah, and I just I just fight some skeletons to get some treasure, and I bounce out of there. There's no talking. There's no nothing for me. For me, there was a I I think a slightly harder boss was a guardian, mm-hmm. and I had to defeat the guardian. Upon defeating the guardian, is that, is, where, is that where you got those tombs that you those little caskets that you open up? The caskets that I opened up and nothing happens for me. I, me, I open them up and nothing happens. Yeah, like you, is you, that your first one? Mm-hmm. Okay, there's. Seven Imperial tombs to the entire game, and each one of them have a specific story. Like the tomb itself, you get to go into, but yeah. there's like the key rooms that even you go into, but there's no dialogue. You just yeah. steal stuff from a body, while I know the person in the in yeah, the coffin. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, and so that goes on a whole thing because my Evia, you find out she's been dead for, like I said, three hundred years, and she's trying with her, her sister Tanya. 
and their best friend Mara are trying to overthrow her mother because her mother was being a wicked tyrant 300 years ago and she ends up dying and she doesn't know the outcome and so there's a whole mystery of what happened to my sister what happened to my friend Mara why is my kingdom in shambles? You, you had an achievement that was you had an achievement for your game was finding out how Evie, Evia 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 how Evia even died. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say that at all. That's, yeah, that's there's a, there's a whole plot line for that. Mine's real. Mine you find out right away. Like Caleb's like my son betrayed me. I'm going to get revenge. So you find out that right away. So his is no big deal, but hers is a whole plot line that takes the entire a good portion of the game. You start it right there, which is almost the end of chapter one because the game the game itself encompasses six chapters. Which is three in book one and three in book two. Yeah. And it, it doesn't tell you that it changes books, but the achievement will pop when you get book one and book two. Yeah. So in the in the first town, you do get uh, the character. Yeah, there's talk about that. There's yeah. not much story involved with this first guy. You go inside one of the houses, they think it's haunted, which it kind of is. My little ghost of the archer dude, mm-hmm. this little goblin archer. There's a little bit of a story there, but you don't get a lot for that guy. You remember anything in particular you get for him? Well, I don't want to ruin like, I don't want to ruin his story, but he is a uh, what do you call it an Ishkai, mm-hmm. which are these little goblin uh, like people. Yeah. And part of their again, this is lore. You have Ishkai and Surakai. Mm-hmm. The Ishkai are the free people, and the Surakai, which is the same type of little goblin people, are ones who were born in servitude and choose to stay. Well, not choose to stay, but they don't have the balls to run away. And yeah. so they have a separate title for those people. And what we have is an Ishkai who ran away. So without, we're not, not going to spoil the little plot line. Not that I even remember it anyway. Blake probably does. It's actually pretty sweet. So you do it's a little, nice. it's a quest you do for inside that house, inside the first town. We can both do it. I don't know if the dialogue changes depending mm. on who we are. Because some of the main sort, some of the some of the, some of the story stuff is interesting because sometimes the devourer will speak, and a lot of the times he lets the humans speak. I don't want to say for him, but because the devourer can speak to spirits and stuff like that, because he, he speaks to the spirit of that goblin guy. Yeah. But then, but he also lets people speak. Actually, the actually, I guess everybody can speak on both sides. Does Caleb and them talk to demons? They. I don't know if they necessarily talk, but I think it, they all speak. They all have an opinion. They speak inside his head. So I don't know. We get to hear it because technically we're the devourer. Yeah, they all share. But I don't know if people outside get to hear our conversation. The devourer, the devourer can speak outside of the spirit realm through the body of his. Yeah. They call puppets. Puppets, yeah. So you uh, you do the little goblin's little quest inside the house, and then the devourer will devour his uh, spirit, his soul. And then you guys, we get your first additional character there's a characters for every class so i started with my warrior and then i had the devourer which is just devourer is just a separate thing entirely but then i had devourer you can swap to caleb and then now i had you had two more slots so then the little bow it's a little archer guy a little goblin archer i get him as a character now i can hot swap to him too you just hit your bumper and you kind of hot swap through all characters this is where eventually there's gonna be more characters where we kind of thought that something like this was where you get to uh Get multiplayer involved. Mm-hmm. That maybe have the have the player one can play as the main character and and or the devourer, yeah. and then maybe a second player could control the other puppets. Because a lot of the time, I don't know about maybe people play differently, but a lot of the time, because you'd devour slot your main character slot and then two two additional puppets, you don't end up swapping to them all the time. You kind of abandon the other characters, and well, 
there's other characters that uh, we'll get to here in a second that actually have storylines. Uh, the the after the goblin thing though, after his initial little plot line to get him, he's just a little puppet guy. He never speaks again. He no, he doesn't. Even when you meet like other people, the yeah. other certain. That's what I said before when we yeah. talked outside the podcast that only certain ones even have plot lines. And one guy we're gonna get to here in a minute has a plot line. Has his plot line spans the majority of the game, and he's yeah. actually on the cover of, of cover of the game. Even when my poor guy Kalik, he's like. It's his hometown, and his son betrays him. And once I do the son storyline, Caleb's done. Like, we'll get to that in a minute. He's pretty much done. While this other other guy we're going to meet, uh, he encompasses a huge, like even a whole part, one part of the story, and the next part of the story. All that stuff encompasses him. He covers. A he's lot. the vast. He's basically the main character, which is I find very strange. But first town, my hometown. You get a goblin, and you got to sneak out of the town. I, ch- I chase my son away. He runs away. Blake just does normal stuff inside the town. Which also to- gets the archer guy. So Blake's devourer, mage, archer, and then we leave. In the catacombs, before we get a little further into the catacombs, we actually finally get to have a conversation with the hooded man. Oh, yeah. Who re- reveals himself as a, as a wizard named Krenz, and that he is responsible for bringing the Devourer to help fix a mistake that he caused. Yeah. And he's hoping with the way he brought about the Devourer, he has the ability to fix the mistake that he can't fix. Yeah. That's a long, complicated thing that he goes to explain what he did and how he's trying to fix it. We're going to have to burn through some of these characters. Yeah. Uh, well, I have a list right here, and I can just bum 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 through them really really quickly. Well, need to. Let's do the uh, so after here's kind of the deserty place. Yeah, the desert. The desert the leads waste. to. Does that lead to Czar? Well, no, you meet Czar in there because he's he's been a, a berser- he, he abandoned his clan, the yeah. Temerians, and was roaring around the the wastes. Okay. Um, let's see. This is a lot. What? Because I can. You want to explain? Go ahead and how about the? How about we, we explain the? Uh, it's jumping ahead. We can, maybe we explain the characters that don't have stories. I can do that. Because there's it's weird because they do a weird mix of characters who have plots and then characters like even the goblin had a minute of a plot, but there's some characters that you just get that have no plots around them whatsoever. So if you want to jump ahead a little bit okay. to just explain the characters that have no plots at all. So bear with me. Some of these feel a little tacked on. That's not kind of the deal. We're going to do the DLC characters. I'll mention them and say that they're DLC okay. and that you can get them. Okay, for the warrior class, I think each one has, not counting the DLC, there are five warriors, five hunters, and four mages. Warrior class. We have Kellig, who has a story. Yeah. And then he is a sort of a mini-boss, but you get the ironclad zombie who has no dialogue. You actually fight him with one of the Pentanera. Yeah, do I it, fight him? Because like some of the persons mess with my son, I see the I see the ironclad zombie quite a way before before I fight him. Because the person who's jumping around, who actually the person who actually lets my son get away is a is a is a he's part of the Pentanera. Yeah, who teleports my son, which away. is the main group of bad guys called Pentanera. Yeah, I I only see him right there. I don't see him prior. Yeah, well, you get this ironclad zombie thing who doesn't talk, has no voice dialogue at all. Yeah, sad. Just a big old brute. And then the next three for the warriors, Czar, 
Spoiler and Darius. They all have. Spoiler. She's a member of the Pentaneer. She joins you. Carissa. Oh, I spoiler. You just said it. Well, you so, can edit that out. I'm going to edit it in this. So, Zar, we'll get here in a minute. Zar is the one who is, as uh, far as I'm concerned, is the main character of the game. He has an excessive amount of story. Uh, Carissa gets a pretty good heavy bit on the on the back end, and then one of the other warriors has a small bit that you kind of you kind of skip by accident. But anyway, well, again, Zar, fast story. He starts in the wastes, mm-hmm. then he does the the, the camp, then the wilds, then the both the moon wilds and the Timurian wilds, all the way up to the ziggurat, and then to Ograk. And then uh, for the Warriors, is a DLC character. We didn't buy. We didn't, yeah, we didn't even yeah. look for DLC till after the fact. Yeah, they're not free, though. But the, he's called the Chromaton Golem. He's a clockwork golem. You, you actually get access to him in the very first town. That's mm-hmm. where you get him. He has the character himself and then all the weapons and stuff that he can equip. You also get a special dungeon, which is where you have to put him together and revive him. Mm-hmm. But that uh, the, there's two DLCs and they both cost four ninety nine. We didn't bother. You get a character in, in, a, in, a, in a mini dungeon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Might be worth it. And that was the the warriors. For Carissa, she's he- she's heavily involved in the main story. See her, see her, throughout. See her a couple of times. And then for Darius, he becomes important when you get him in the end of chapter five and six. I didn't do anything with him. Well, because I didn't pick him. That is the other cool thing this game does do, is twice throughout the game, you have an either-or situation, and when you pick the character, it locks the other one out completely. Yeah. And so if you... The choices uh, for this one have to be either Darius or uh, Archer named uh, Fallon. Depending on which one you get, it locks you out of that side of the story for that person. This game does want you to play multiple times, which we're not, we're not, we didn't do. We had we he played once, I played once, and we're gonna call that two out of three. And so for hunters now, we have the main dude, Jasker, which we actually know nothing about. We we didn't we didn't touch him. I know one thing by accident, but that's part of the story. I don't want to ruin that for people if they want to play it. Then the little Ishkai, whose name is uh, Urshak. This little goblin guy. And then you get Thornwasp, Fallon, and Shadowhand. Uh, Thornwasp and Urshak, no dialogue whatsoever. Mm-hmm. None. And when I say Thornwasp, it is literally a giant wasp. That's it. It's lit. That's, that's it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's, it's not a terrible character. It's actually pretty strong, but that's it. That's a character. Blake... We'll see the alternate character here in a minute, but Blake on the on the warrior side, Blake ended up with when we chose different characters on the on I the, chose Darius. Yeah, Blake ended up Darius and Blake actually ended, ended up with the Thorn Wasp. I ended up on the opposite side. And Fallon has a lot of story. She so Fallon's the op sorry, it's, it's complicated. Fallon's the opposite character of Darius, so Blake chose Darius, I chose Fallon. So I get a bunch of Fallon storyline on which actually go to her homeland. And same thing with Darius. Darius is with an opposing force attacking that homeland because the main oh, yeah, bad okay. guys have recruited her people to help defend yeah. their homeland. 
it's it's complicated. We're seeing different. We're both seeing different parts. We try to talk about outside the podcast too, seeing different parts of the same storylines. And it's like I said at the very beginning, there is a lot of lore. Mm-hmm. It is a wonderfully deep game, and I would like to see more. Actually, more games. You want to play the game again? I see more of the game because like some of these characters are so. They have the ability to be interesting, and some of them are just not uh, developed on at all. Yeah, so I was going to say some have no story. So he did the Thorn Wasp, Goblin, and Fallon, and then this other guy at the very end, Shadow Hand. So neither one of us did the Shadow Hand because, because we're achievement whores, and the the opposing character to Shadow Hand in, involves getting an achievement. So we both did the other guy, which we'll get to here in a second. So I don't know much about Shadow Hand. Other than the fact that for me, for Evia, he is a guardian of the last couple of Imperial tombs. Well, that's where you fight him. Yeah. I fought him, I just didn't yeah. talk to him. He's an undead assassin responsible for protecting the tombs. So he has some story based... May have had more. Yeah, I, may, I may have had more than you do, but it, it, we, it's the same overall that he was guarding these Imperial tombs. Yeah. However, there was no deals, I guess because of Shadowhand... There was no DLC for Hunters. Sorry. So for the mages, we have Evia, which is the main girl, the daughter of fire. Then we have this dude called a uh, Sebekan mage, and the Sebekian people are really cool. They're a uh, what lizard people? Lizard people. I feel like the word Sebekian might mean something lizard. Well, I've, Sebe- I've, seen, I mean, I've seen the word Sebekian tied to other lizards before. That might be something I don't know about. A- Egyptian. Oh, it's Egyptian? Okay. The Sobek, uh, the god of the Nile. Okay. Alligator head, yeah. Okay, Sobek. Cool. cool. Uh, it spells it a little differently, but it's, the, it's I'm assuming it's the same thing. Yeah, so Blake's uh, main character is a fire mage. Uh, Sebekian is a lightning mage, but he ha- he gets no no dialogue, no story, no anything. You just get him, and you have a lightning mage you can swap to every now and then. Mm-hmm. And I'm about to. Here's the op- opposite of the thorn wasp. You get him. Yeah. This guy is called Woody because he happens to be a wood elemental, like a yeah. like an int. Yeah, I got him. I, I barely used him. He's a, a nature mage poison and yeah. earthy stuff. I had some healing things. And I, I barely, I was already, I had my kind of predetermined team I was using anyway. He's cool. He looks cool. Like He gets some really cool tree armor and stuff and he's, like I said, he's a mage but he don't use stabs and stuff like the yeah, Sebekin and Evia. Two-handed weapons. Yeah, he's a, a two-handed sword-swinging mace-using dude. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. Also, no, no story, no dialogue. None. Other None than the pop opposite of the wasp, no talking. Just like the wasp, what, there's a, uh, what causes it is a dark spasm <laughs> in this uh, area called the Tamirian Wilds. And, it, and it's completely random. If you go north while you're exploring, you get Woody. If you go south while you're exploring, you get the wasp. And it locks out the other character after you do that. So there's a tiny bit of dialogue of the dark spasming spasm happening and you being forced into a form which yeah. is either the, the woody or the wasp so the forms have no personality no the devourer talks about it but they don't have any personality mm-hmm. do i want to talk about this uh fourth mage the hidden one the achievement oh yeah it's not hidden he's just opposite like yeah he's the opposite of the shadow man 
Okay, nice. Yeah. So you you actually see the shadow hand guy two or three times. Twice. And then if you we we I don't feel like you're ahead. If you turn, if you, if you say yes to him and he joins you, it lo- automatically locks out the opposing character, which is this mage. If you turn him down, you just fight him and kill him. I guess you, you deliver the finishing blow. You kill him, and that leaves you open to I forget how it locks it out. But it leaves you open to go get this, to go deeper into this catacombs, I guess, and get this. Because he has the final key in order to open the last Imperial Tomb, and if you accept him, I assume he doesn't give you the key. Mm. But I needed the key for my main character to do her storyline anyway. He was stopping me, so it made sense for me to kill him. Me, Blake told me that she was involved. Yeah. So this uh, last mage you can get, that's non-DLC, is called the Draconian Mage. Mm-hmm. It's literally a dragon dude. Like a bipedal dragon? Uh, yeah, a bipedal humanoid dragon yeah he looks awesome do you uh do you walk around him his, his walking animation is a joke yeah <laughs> he, he, walk, he walks like a retard he looks awesome a lot of his spells are really cool he has a game breaker time stop yeah and it's a good like eight it maxes you level up twice it's like it's like four eight i think four eight four six and eight seconds it just completely stops time but you think those seconds aren't a lot but that's a lot of time to really do a lot of damage you can stop time and then unleash the rest of his stuff his other magic and it's it's devastating. I ended up kind of hanging him out of my main party for the last bit of the because you get him really late in the game. He hung out pretty pretty far from me in the late game. And then there is a uh, a DLC character again, another four nine nine one that we didn't try out called the Necrophage. He seems to be a uh, I think a lich of some sort. And he everything that comes with being a lich, some poison magic, some. I think he gets to you get to bring. Because I, I looked at his list of abilities, I think one of them is you get to bring a ghost version of the most recent enemy you killed to follow you around temporarily. As you can tell, that is a large roster, roster of, of characters. Yeah. Almost too big. It's daunting at times cause, because of the, the characters with story. You are sometimes required to have certain characters with you to go into certain places, which we'll go into the main one that worth talking. We'll probably spend the rest of the time talking about Zar. 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 Z Z A A R. Zar, because he's to me, he's the majority of the game. I feel like he's he's actually pretty cool. So like the whole time you're in his little and his camp, his camp, and then um, in parts of his forest, stuff is triggered by having him. But one, you got you got to be him to go inside the camp, and then everybody knows who he is, and then parts of the forest map you can't do unless you have him which actually Blake sort of made a mistake I feel like he, I, didn't, he didn't have him with him through parts of the forest and had to go back because I was trying to be different than Drew and not have the same party because we were talking about who's using what that's, party that's about the time we realized the importance we were starting to learn the importance of certain characters okay, that matter because yeah. it happens not to the big, biggest extent but there's a part later later with uh, Carissa where you got to be whole parts of this city where you got to be, be her but it's nowhere near as large mm-hmm. as ours the same thing with uh, Darius and Fallon in order to walk around their camps. You, they had to be in your swap party. Yeah, Fallon, you just had to walk into the one little camp where her brother was. I don't know about Darius. The, the, yeah, the Meltwater Bastion had to be Darius because he was one of the, the lion of Corwinth. He was with yeah. the opposing people. So, there's way too much story here to cram yeah. into one podcast. But I want to dedicate the next rest of the time we have with this to I feel like do you, you agree to think Zar is the most important one to talk about because he's ironically he's more important than all the main characters 
he has a lot more dialogue than the main characters do when it comes to certain things. Yeah, and he's on the front. The front cover has him, uh, well, him, the, 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 Evia, the, the Devourer in the back, yeah. and um, Shadowhand. Literally, Shadowhand, really? Yeah, he, yeah. The, he's the only other skeleton, and he's off to the side, but they're yeah. on the front cover. The Czar is big and on the front, so Czar's the dude. So, the Czar is a, not a werewolf, he is a, uh, they're a wolf people. Tamirians. Tamirians, yeah, they, they don't, they're not humans that turn into wolves, they're just, they're born wolves, and they are these huge, cool-looking wolves. Speaking of cool-looking, before I get stuck, before we get too deep into him real quick, we didn't talk about the, the graphics and stuff like that. It's yeah. not the... There's always a difference between graphics, I feel like, and art style. The game's graphics are not incredible. They're also not bad. They're not incredible, but where this game, I feel like this game shines is its art style. Yeah. Everything looks really, really cool. Like, all the characters look good. There is no bad-looking characters, I don't feel like. No. Mm-hmm. I think they do a good job of, um, even, like, the, the random NPCs you talk to, they, they do a good job of, even if it's the same character model, they do a job of at least doing a, uh, a palette swap, swap of the clothes, so nothing looked I mean, yeah, like I, I, it was I, I, the same I didn't thing. really notice that too much. I noticed it more in the bigger cities than the smaller ones, because smaller ones, it was like, oh, here's eight people in this village. And you're like, okay, you, you can make eight people look different. That's not that complicated. Yeah. But in the bigger town of a Corwinth or, I can't remember that other one, in the Falcon Pass. But, I, remember, I can't remember all the towns either. But uh, I think the game does shine in, uh, like I said before, art style. You'll be impressed and happy with how everybody looks uh, when it comes to getting new weapons, new armor. All your characters have unique armor to themselves. Even for the most if you, part. Qu- for mostly, you'll kind of neat. You'll have you'll have character classes that they can equip the same armor, but those armors artistically are different depending on the character they're on. Yeah. So it's really neat how the, how they they make stuff. They kind of mold things to fit certain characters. So it's pretty neat because I was able to. one awesome. Uh, that bone helmet. Yeah, the bone helmet's really cool. But bone helmet can go between... I had Zar wear that helmet, I had a human wear that helmet, and I had the dragon all wear that same helmet. Oh, no, I had something else for the dragon. But they all wore the helmet, and, and the, the helmet molded to fit... They had to do the extra... company had to do the work. The work, though, that helmet had to fit. Every class that was equipable, it, it was different. You can think of a, a wolf guy, a human head, and then like a dragon head. Vastly it looked, different. It's the same helmet. You could, tell, you could tell it was the same helmet, but it molded differently to fit the characters. And that's additional work that I appreciate when it comes to a game that's about getting the uh, the loop of the game is killing stuff and getting loot and this you tend to think story comes second but I, I actually quite enjoyed the majority of the story for this game which we're going to yeah roll through a bit right here but uh, the general loop is good like I said artistically it's all great everything looks cool I was constantly updating characters equipment that I wasn't even using just because I was addicted to just upgrading their equipment and I just swapped them back out as long as they always had the newest stuff Speaking of what he, uh, what you just spoke about, it does do a cool thing that all your characters level up at once. Even the ones that oh, yeah. are on the back roster, yeah. everybody, everybody just levels up. Yeah. And so that that's one of the other things that allows you to, because of course, like standard in this game, some weapons are locked out due to level. Yeah. And so everyone levels up. You, your hand me downs keep going to people who can actually equip them, and mm-hmm. it. There was never a point where I was forced to really use any characters in combat. Like, I had to run around in town. Yeah. When it came to combat, I had full control over who I wanted to use. Yeah, so I didn't it really, for, it force you. I was, yeah. I was kind of hoping it would, to make all the effort that of equipping them, of equipping them for no reason and making sure that their yeah. their abilities... Because every, every person gets... Different abilities. I think eight or ten abilities, but it can only have three equipped at once. So you yeah. have... 
pretty good customizing on how you want to build each character. So you I, pick your favorite abilities. Yeah, so I, I do enjoy that very much. And you can respec. I don't, you know, what? I, I never did respec, but you can respec any time in the game. You talk to this kind of this dude, yeah, the shadow trader, who only only appears for the uh, devourer. Devourer. You can talk to him any time in respec. I, I kept meaning to respec, but I was playing easy, of course, because I'm a baby. So I never really had to respect my characters to straighten them up. Yeah, I mean, I thought about it, but I'm like, I'm good enough time as it is. Why bother? Yeah, not the time it would take me to. Because I thought about it right there at the end of the game. I was like, I could, I could respect right now and really rock it. Or the time it takes me to respect, I could just beat the game. So, going to do Zara stuff, I guess. A little bit. Do you want to talk about before we jump into because Zara would be probably the last thing we talk about, right? I guess he's just still. Seems like he'd be a lot. I don't know too much of the story, but yeah. But do you want to briefly talk about brainwork? Uh, how crappy some of the puzzles were, and how just like oh, oh yeah, it gosh. was just a wall when you hit like a puzzle, and they were just so, so not if, fun. <laughs> as good as this game is, it did do. Uh, I'm not going to the detail of them, but it did do one thing wrong. It was its puzzles. It picked what two or three, four variants of a particular puzzle type, and then threw those at your face repeatedly the entire game and no variant of any of the puzzle not one puzzle it would be 50 in this freaking game probably quite a few it shuffles them up and moves stuff around and crap like that and you just gotta do it the entire game and it is never fun it destroys the pacing of the area where you're at it is the one major complaint I have about this game besides the fact that it's not so much a complaint it's, it's good for a company but replay value is the game like we didn't 1k this game because the 1k requires three playthroughs and I was like I'm not playing three times that's sort of a complaint but sort of the company just well, making the most of their game because yeah. you do get three separate stories but yeah. the main story is the same but you yeah. get those three character stories so other than that this is hardly a complaint but the biggest complaint was the probably some of the worst puzzles I've ever had in a video game and, and repeatedly, not only the puzzles really, really dumb and really, really bad, it even kind of blindsided Blake because I fought, the, I beat the game first, and it blindsides you by making you do one of the puzzles during the last boss fight. And one of the more annoying is it's a standard in a lot of RPGs. It's a move this item to this switch puzzle. Yeah, it's rolling a boulder. But these boulders aren't very cooperative. Yeah. And you have to battle the final boss. While rolling boulders around a room. Because you beat up the thing, and it does the standard where it like hides behind a barrier and heals up, and it summons minions. And you have till it fully heals itself to get this boulder moved to a spot to break its barrier. At the what, same three, time... Three or six boulders? I don't know. Three. Three boulders. At the same time while you're pushing this boulder, you're having to fight minions that it summoned. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, the minion wants to run away... And you, this is just all last boss stuff. We're not going to do much about that. Yeah. But it's just the fact that they threw a dumb puzzle. Not even really a puzzle per se. But boulders are one of the ongoing puzzles, including these horrible ones where it, it releases a bolt. Like you pull, so you got a bunch of levers lined up. And you pull the first lever. What's And you pull the first lever and a boulder comes up and starts rolling down this path. But the path, it, it, it's a pit. So you got to time and pull every other lever down the line. Puts a board out. Mm-hmm. A platform out for the for the boulder to roll across, and you got to time the lever pulls to the boulder rolling to the smallest of a millisecond to make sure the boulder gets. Some of these puzzles have to be done. Had to pull the levers the perfect second. You had to see it really. So oh, you're just pulling some levers and it rolls across. The levers don't even 
the levers don't even raise the platforms that are in front of the lever. They raise different platforms yeah. and stuff like that. You're running back and forth trying to pull these levers to get this boulder to roll across all the platforms to hit a button to open an area. And what sucks about this is sometimes you think, oh, screw that, I'm, I'm going to ignore that because it's probably just a treasure chest. It does lock the main game behind a couple of those, so you have to do them anyway. Yeah, those are hands down my least favorite. The, the, the rolly panel board. Eventually, you get a groove for it. Like in your head, you're like, one, two, three, three, one, two. Like you get like the number yep. combo down, but it's just obnoxious. But, I didn't enjoy that. Even better than that is the pull the lever button is the same as the attack attack button. Mm-hmm. So instead of instead of pulling the lever, sometimes you'll just swing an attack or and you have wasted around and you, and, and, and you're done. Like that that half a second you're using the attack is the boulder's gone. So that's that puzzle. We said one bad thing. That's fine. We can move on to some more yeah. nice so stuff. The, but any anyway, all the other puzzles, the boulders are the worst. Mm-hmm. Everything else just uh, it's fairly manageable. Manageable, but God pa- breaks the pa- pacing's an issue in most in most video games. Screeching halt. Yeah, like out of nowhere for no real reason. It's always flipping a switch or matching pictures to these other pictures or like these one things where you walk on these. You gotta like, like I'll say Indiana Jones where you walk on the right platforms. Mm-hmm. But it'd be, you only you only see the correct platforms in the shadow world, so you got to see the path in the shadow world, which usually involves being able to switch in the shadow, taking a picture of the correct path, and then switching to a human form and following the picture to run across these things. So you don't burn yourself alive on those dumb things. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's hidden things with uh, these towers all over the game. You got to find the match the picture on the tower to the kind of tower it is. Those are all over the game. That's from the early on to the whole freaking. It starts in Tamiria, I think. Maybe in the desert before Tamiria, but yeah. uh. All over the game with those dumb things. Those literally involve you running back and forth across the map. I, I don't know what they were they were thinking besides fluff, maybe make the game a little longer. Which the game was only no, uh, 20, about twenty or so hours yeah, for one for one, for one run through. I think my playthrough was like twenty four and a half, and yours is twenty two because I told you how to do some things. Oh, there were some puzzles I just flat out weren't doing. There's these stupid ones where you got to rotate the the pictures to match the. I did. I did do none of those. Oh, yeah, you, you called. You, hey, come get this real quick. Yeah, I like rotating, rotating these other towers to make these pictures match this picture on the wall, and I was like, either Blaze gonna do this, or I'm not playing this game no more. And he he just I know some some of them he knew, some of them he just spun around randomly until it worked. There's about five of those probably. Mm. I say there's there's five in the game, probably about six too many. Yeah. <laughs> uh, those are awful. So the biggest negative of the entire game will warn you on the front end. Is be ready for some awful, awful puzzles that are going to make you mad, make you not want to play probably. But when we got through all of them, I did with a little bit of Blake's help. I actually did one of the lever, one of the boulder level puzzles for him because he was he was getting just furious. Yeah. So, it, but I, I, it was a trick to one of those because of the way the game works. Uh, you don't have to be standing on top of the lever to press it. You can be standing standing a few inches away and still trigger the lever, which you had like, which is dumb for that puzzle because you had to do that for that puzzle. Like you had you, to cheat in order. You, to had, you had to cheat to make that puzzle work. It was weird how they designed it. Anyway, that's the one big negative for the entire game. Really, because everything else I enjoyed. Yeah. Sorry is the big thing. I feel yeah, like we'll, uh, we'll get to him coming into him right now. We'll say uh, we'll be playing music throughout the podcast. I already selected some. The music doesn't jump out at me. Uh, it's just good. It's just good background music. It's it's Coming okay. With death screams. And yeah, you're mostly you're mostly listening to the sound of you hacking and slashing and destroying things. The music didn't pop out at me. The game is ninety eight percent voice acted, probably. I do believe so. Even like NPCs had voices. So yeah, uh, mostly voice acted. All good. I don't think anybody was annoying. 
surprisingly. I'm often surprised. We have some other games come up in the podcast before too long where I would, I would mention being surprised that there's uh, nobody obnoxious in the voice cast. I don't think there's anybody annoying in the voice cast. I don't know Jasper's voice. So. No, yeah, he's the only one we don't know, but everyone else is one of the, the ones who have voices. <laughs> The yeah, the, the characters that talk, even the even the other yeah. other story characters and stuff like that. Everybody's very well voice acted. Speaking of voice acting, I kind of looked into everybody. No one really seems. No one had anything that went into the double digits. It was all career. Yeah, I, I I didn't see anyone that stood out to me, and a lot good chunk of them mostly did like live action stuff. But the biggest surprise for me was the, your your buddy who summons you at the very beginning of the game, the Hooded Man, who we find out is Krenz, is actually voiced by uh, Tom Baker. For those who don't know who Tom Baker is, he he is to Doctor Who to what Adam West is to Batman. Pretty much, yeah. yeah he was the, I think he was the longest running Doctor. Mm-hmm. And maybe still is. Or no, I think there was the dude who came... Who was he? Basically, be the longest running. Yeah, well, without, without googling, I think he's. I, th- I think it was technically the guy between Christopher Eccleston because he did the whole ten or fifteen years. It was off air. They did books and radio plays with him, so technically him. But for your visual medium, it would be Tom Baker, who's the fourth Doctor, and I that because I didn't know that blew my brain when I, I was like, oh crap! Yeah. I thought it was pretty cool to see that. Yeah, that's probably where all their money went. Yeah, <laughs> Tom Baker, and everyone else a bunch of no names. But now let's get to the quote-unquote main, main character. character. Main character. Oh, God, was, we went and did so much now. Just we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up on him on what he, why he's tends to be the majority of the game. So even after, right after you leave the, the first town, you go into this the way was it waste the one? Wastes. and you get running into a camp of uh, other soldiers where he's actually the the leader. The leader Zar is the leader of all these guys, and you you get captured and you're in this arena. You're he keeps throwing people at you. To fight because it's like trial by combat, I guess. And uh, you, you, yeah, you kill all his people, and he's like, "You want something done? You got to do it yourself." And he jumps down there, and you murder him, of course. And so the devourer takes his soul. Yeah, <laughs> and he becomes one of the first major, and the I think the most major character you have for the rest of the game because he uh, all the story here is him. After from here, you go to the border camp, the Tamurian border camp, which is an entire camp that, of his people. Even his old mate, <laughs> yeah, which I I messed up an achievement there. I didn't I didn't know about his uh, his old mate is there, and uh, if uh, I was just going through her dialogue, and I told her I was a demon because you're considered a demon once you have your soul taken, I guess. So he tells her that, and I botched that up. I didn't know it was locking me out of something else. If you told her a demon, she gets all pissy and is like, "Oh, we shouldn't talk about that." But other dialogue choices involve you getting involve you banging her, which is an achievement for a. I forget what the achievement said. It was like a... It was like good boys are. Or uh, getting getting his mo- biggest desire. God, with the fulfilling achie- his deepest desire. Yeah, fulfilling his deepest desire was getting his old mate. <laughs> Zara's... She hadn't seen him for a long time. Like, she actually... Just because he, he had just died, but he actually had left... Like Blake said earlier, I feel like he had uh, left his people. He had abandoned his people a long, long time ago. This was the first time she was seeing him, not knowing he had just died yeah. a few hours before. But anyway, there was one achievement that I missed. You tell her you're a demon, you can't bang her. If so you like bang her first, and still didn't tell her she he was a demon. He got he just so nah. you can do different things in the in the in the dialogue trees that'll actually lock you out of things sometimes. Achievements. 
So you do the whole camp. Everybody in the camp knows who you are. She actually, she even deems you the general of, of their, because you're, you're returning, and she's like, swear your fealty back to us, and you, he kind of does, and then he deems you the general of all her people. Of the Timurian people. To yeah. try to win back your homeland from uh, uh, the in, invading army villains. What's the, ma- the magic people in it? Yeah, the Pentanera. Pentanera people. So for the border camp, you go right into the, the wilds. Timurian wilds. Timurian wilds. And in the wilds, right in the beginning of the wilds is where Blake talked about north for the, the Woody. Woody and south for the Wasp. The whole wilds has a whole thing. There's other plot lines in there. There's a whole side quest involving, because there was a big war back in the day, and the war was ended by the Pentanera supposedly dropping that curse on the whole forest. And you can talk to these ancient spirits if you have him in your party, which Blake had to go back and do. And you got to find all these totems all across these two two sets of wood. Actually, they're pretty far. Timurian Wilds and the Moon Wilds. And then they, even in the Ziggurat. Ziggurat of the Sun. <laughs> so you got to find these totems to get them to lift, lift the curse, which you don't even get to see the results of that because once you get all the totems, those guys tell you, they're like, kind of spoiler, I guess. They tell you the curse will be the curse will be lifted in seven by seven moons or something like that. So, which is perfect build up if there's a, another see, game. Yeah, It'd be cool game. to see the ramifications of some, of some of these decisions. So he has all his. I know we're skimming, but he has all his plot line. Like, like the whole the whole Tamerian Wilds is all about him. And you go into the Moon Wilds, which continues to be all about him. I forget what's different. In the, what's really special in the Moon Wilds? The Moon Wilds are far more corrupted by the curse. By the curse. Like the trees are like purple and. Yeah. Poisony instead of like green and lush like the Timurians. I feel if you, but do you run into anybody else? That's well in the in the moon wild is where the curse is, is where you talk to those spirits. Oh yeah, that's right. You that's right. in the Timurian rise, you speak to that old hermit who's been saying the the never ending chant to oh, keep God, the curse guy. at bay, yeah, which is yeah. why they're still green and not polluted. Yes, yeah, so he's been, he literally sits there and has been chanting the never ending the endless chant for his whole life. He's supposed to dedicate his entire life to it. There's a whole nother plot line there that involves a whole nother mage that you got to get to. Uh, you got to get to take his place if you even do the plot lines right, because the plot lines are intertwining and the timing can be jacked up and stuff like that. It's unbelievable the kind of stuff you can do and the kind of stuff you can literally just walk past and not even know you didn't do. And there's a cool thing. One of the main bad guys, because we have the Timurians, which are literally these massive wolf people, mm. and there are these berserkers who are werewolf berserkers, who the Timurians look down on for being less. Mm-hmm. They're literally, you know, the werewolf. Humans turn into, they, they turn into what look like czars people, but yeah. they can also be well, human. Well, berserkers, you go to go fight, and those are guys that got trapped in a human form. Somebody cursed them into a human form. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole other story. I guess filled with all sorts of story, story and lore. And then from the Moonwild, you end up in the... Uh, ziggurat of the Sun. Is there another no, place before the Ziggurat? Mm-hmm. The whole area before the Ziggurat? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, Duratir. Duratir. The temple. The temple. Is, yeah, right. temple. It's the temple of his people. That they go there. Jeez, you went through all of that. There's more plots and side quests and stuff there. It eventually leads you to this place called... The, oh, yeah, there's probably a totem there for the other quest. Mm-hmm. Which leads you eventually to this place called the Ziggurat of the Sun, which is more... that more or less, finally, like the fourth area, more or less, kind of wrapping up the gist of what you need of him. Kind of. And it opens up the world to so much more possibilities when you meet that individual. Yeah, there's a there's a special person you meet at the end of the Ziggurat, which we're not going to spoil, one of the cooler characters, who's actually, I'm not going into the layers of that, but he's tied to the true ending. There's three, there's 
there's there's, a, there's three endings, but include, oh gosh, the achievements include seeing the endings, the base endings of all three of the main characters, plus they're tied into the three uh, endings of uh, all full good and full evil. There's a, there's a uh, it's tracking uh, stuff you do throughout the game, whether being good or bad. And then there's a true ending, which involves that guy down there. I won't spoil who that is. I'll say his name. His name is uh, Grabak. Grabak, yeah, he's pretty cool. There's a whole other layer of stuff involving him. It's a true ending, which I couldn't do because I'd mess some. Other, I'd mess some other stuff, doing some stuff out of order. I actually didn't get. I didn't get full good or full evil. I was attempting to be good, and I, I didn't do enough good, I guess, to get the ending. And you didn't get true evil either, did you? I didn't. I did too much because it's stuff that you don't even register. I mean, sometimes because I, I was trying to do all the achievements to get all the experience and money that I could, but uh, there are these spirits that I didn't think anything of it. I spoke to them, and they had a quest for me, and I was like, cool. More quests, I'm going to do that quest. But apparently, to get the bad ending, you have to not help those people, because that gives you... You have to turn them down immediately, and it gives you, like, negative karma points. And then, earlier on, when you do some side quests for, like, the silk merchant and a few other people, you do the mission, and they're like, here's your $200. You can be like, hey, that was really hard. Make it 400 Oh, yeah, you can, you can that, enforce yeah. them, and you did some of that. And you're like, well, yeah, cool, free money, why not? Yeah, and I, you're supposed to like. There's a pretty thorough guide TA has on guide. TA, but I'm not playing the game three times. Yeah, we uh, there is a TA, there's a full TA walkthrough. I feel like for the whole game, but when we fit, when we first discover on the front of the guide, there's a index. I guess you would say would tell you it's three playthroughs. As soon as we find out something like this, because this game was through Gamefly. As soon as we find out something like this is multiple playthroughs, we tend to kind of drop a guide at that point and just play the game. We did throughout trying to complete other quests and can't imagine the layers and the timeline that involves getting certain things to certain things to play out, like traveling back to old places just to talk to somebody that you walked by by accident mm-hmm. that would trigger an event two chapters later. Like it was, it's in depth, which I think is actually pretty cool. It's uh, ambitious for the creators. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I can see people loving this game, like, talking about it for hours. I'm surprised this isn't some sort of, like, tabletop game or something at this point. Yeah, it's crazy big. Because where we are now, even with the Ziggurat stuff, that... Is that even the end of Book 1? Because, like, it's... I think... Does the Ziggurat end Book 1? Yes. Maybe? I, can't remember. I, I forget that. Because I forgot in, the chapter dividers. But I think that, because technically that would be the ending, and then you would move on to the broken... The we call it the Broken Spear Pass, which is where you would meet the Sebekin Mage and all of them. I think. Yeah, it's wild. So we've already spent all this time already just on a, even a small piece of the game. We could, I don't think we could do the even even skipping around. We couldn't do everything. It does, it does sound very convoluted and confusing, and we don't mean for it to because it, it actually it's pretty coherent. I mean, like it's pretty straightforward and coherent. Yeah, yeah, pay yeah. Uh, pay attention and you, everybody you talk to is probably connect, connected to another person and every little thing every time you're given a choice it even matters like when you talk to somebody sometimes like I said well, even with Zar talking to his mate that you're given a list of different things you could say you could say them all but determining which ones you click in which order changes things like I mean like I, I missed the achievement because he decided to be a nice guy and tell her he was a demon I didn't I banged that dog wolf but uh but um, I, who knows how many other times throughout the game? Because there's multiple times you're you're handed a list of things to say to somebody, and I, a lot of times I was just over the top of the list and just 
well on through the whole thing and just listen to everything the person had to say, not knowing if I was triggering or putting something else out of line. That's also lore. I thought you discover some of the in-depth lore. Well, I mean, well there's, yeah. lore, there's lore of the talking, and there's also all the books. That I, I did not read a single book. There's I, books all over the game, full of just an immense amount of writing. And I was like, nah, because I don't even read lore. I don't read lore in any any game that I play. Uh, I was I listened to uh, audio lore because it plays and yeah, talks to Mass me. Mass Effect games when they read it to you, yeah. yeah when, it, when it talks to me, that's fine. I'm going to read a novel every time and talk about talk about pace breaking. I don't I, don't, I can't believe this is still in video games, but to stop and read the dial, you know, writing of this size that this game has would be you'd be stopping every five minutes to read something that's going to take you depending on how fast you read. But anyway, you'd be almost read as much as you're playing. So I have a second grade reading level, so it would take me forever. <laughs> I don't know what else to say because we, we just give it a big check mark, thumbs up. Please play this game; it's awesome. I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah, we did both. We did both. Obviously, we did both beat the game. We're not getting all the achievements. I think all our achievements are somewhat or somewhat different based on our characters. Like I got the he got the how his character died achievement. I didn't, I didn't get that. Obviously, I got the. Uh, resolving. Event, resolving my guild, my how getting my, getting my guild back under my guys' control, achievements and stuff like that. So our achievements don't really match up for this game. I don't know if I played. I don't. I don't know if I would play it again. If it, we have so many games to play, it's easy to just take a game like this and beat it once and move on. Uh, if it, maybe if it ever hit games with gold. Yeah, games. If it was free, I sure. I and I'd be able to. Pl- you'd be able to plow through a lot of the dialogue. I'd be because the dialogue would be different with every character. I'd be scared of anything I was going to miss. True. So I don't, I don't know. It's a massive game. It's a crazy kind of good game that uh, we like to do on this podcast because it's like another game that nobody's nobody's talked about. Yeah, I, I don't know anything about it. It's, it's really young too. It's only two years old. Yeah. For the full version of what we got it was 2018, summer 2018. Yeah. And I hate because when I said on the front of this, the the best way to explain the game at face level was being a Diablo clone, but that's just the genre of the kind of game it is. When I was reading, uh, I'll, I'll skim Gamefly reviews every now and then. I've mentioned this before, I'll do skim Gamefly reviews because I like to see both ends. I read the highs and the lows of that and see what's going on. Uh, those you got to take those reviews with a grain of salt because my absolute favorite uh, Gamefly review that I ever read, and I see it more often than you think would be possible, would somebody would, would, would write for a video game one star uh, console could not read disc and you get you know <laughs> that's this is stupidest crap I've ever seen like you know, you don't you don't you know nothing about the game like you're you're gonna take the time to go in there and give the game a negative score because your console couldn't read a disc like that's just so you gotta take all this stuff with a, a grain of salt but skimming through what few reviews this has on GameFly and I don't I don't think not even one of them doesn't mention Diablo. Uh, it's kind of kind of obnoxious. We played Diablo God, when the Xbox One first came out mm-hmm. uh, 48 years ago, yeah. and uh, I didn't like Diablo Three that much, to be honest. I don't I don't remember hardly anything about it. I, I kind of didn't like the way it played. I don't I don't think its loot circle was very good. I don't know. I mean, it's been a long time since I played. I know Diablo Three they patched a bunch, but anyway, I don't go to the whole Diablo thing. But I found this game to be more fun, and I hate that it to it'd be. Like other games of the same genre, we have a few of these other games on our consoles. These games are always, always stuck under the under the shadow of Diablo. I don't even think Diablo is that much to rave about, to be honest. They're fun. Like they, they they were the first. I I believe they were the first kind of that 
genre of the top-down. Yeah, I guess the first one, I don't know. I think PC had a lot more than we had back then. It was hands down the biggest one. And remains, people otherwise it would be called something else besides a a Diablo-esque game or Diablo-like, you know what I mean? Yeah. What else you got to say about it? Play it, please. Let us know. Yeah, I hope people would play it. It's all—I I think I've seen it on sale a couple of times. I'm sure it can't cost that much money. We had it on, yeah, we had it on GameFly, so we had it for like a, a week or something like that. Maybe two. Because it on sale, it, it's all. Hey, I mean, I it's hard to say if any game's worth sixty dollars, but it will all be, it'd be and digitally be on sale all the time. And anything below full price, you're gonna get more than your money's worth, especially if you get uh, more invested into the, the lore and stuff. Maybe you, maybe you people uh, like to read every little piece of lore to a game y'all could tell us stuff we don't we don't know I'm sure we missed a lot of majority of the things that, that was uh, buried in the world because uh, because it was written in the lore and it could show us the stuff we didn't know and we, and we missed a whole half of the game here in this podcast because it's just, it's just too much game to talk about and there's a third character we need to experience what happens yeah. behind that yeah who, who, who even knows what goes down Jasper's path I feel like mine kind of dropped as I said well my characters kind of dropped there's like even uh, Zar has more dialogue than my character has. Because Zar not only speaks through all the parts that are all him, his whole third of the game he is all his, and then every other event throughout the game, Zar's always got something to yeah. say, and Sounds he has more dialogue than my main character. I don't know if he had more dialogue than your main character. Have you spoke a lot? Kaylee didn't speak all that much. There was a... Uh, it ain't gonna be funny but to anybody, but what was it? People, a couple, every now and then, somebody would call Caleb a barbarian. And he's and somebody's like, oh, well, you're the dumb barbarian. He was like, don't call me that. Y'all offended by being called a barbarian. And then when he meets Zar, before you even kill Zar, they're having a little banter back and forth. And uh, Zar says some nonsense like, you, know, you ain't nothing. He, he Zar goes on the whole thing. You ain't nothing but a, a stupid barbarian. And, and Caleb goes, don't call me that, you dog. And then Zar goes. Don't call me that. <laughs> this little banter back and forth. It was really funny. You had to, you had to see it. And of course, if you played any character besides Caleb, you don't get that banter. Mm-hmm. It was just a funny little joke in there that now is not funny when you explain it on a, po- on a podcast. But I enjoyed it. And that's not even the only funny dialogue, actually. The game is not... There's a lot... The game's a lot of games about death and killing and stuff like that and soul-devouring and war. But the game... Uh, doesn't take itself entirely too seriously. There's lots of comedy because all of the speaking characters, uh, you all kind of share the same, you're the part of the devourer, you all kind of share the same body. Some of them are more confused about it than others, and other ones kind of hit it rolling, like Carissa just kind of rolls with it when she gets absorbed into the body. She's like, oh, whatever, we're all one body now. But they all communicate like, like, like a schizophrenic. Yeah. In a way, they can all talk on top of each other. They can all talk together, and you can swap in their bodies, and they can all do their own thing. It's very strange, and uh, I feel like it's clever in a lot of ways. The way it, the way it plays out, and uh, it's you've never seen anything. I, I doubt you. I've never played another game that does a layer. I see layer a lot in this podcast. A bunch of characters that are all there's no game at all. I can think where all your characters share the same body, and you can, but they can all talk at the same time. No, one thing uh, we spoke earlier about the roster being too big and I I'm of the mindset and I think Drew is with me is that if I picked the the mage then I don't think I should be getting any other mage characters yeah maybe but maybe they didn't want to see it that way I don't know and the same thing with, if I picked a warrior hunter I shouldn't get those but then you start thinking about the ones that are you have to get for 
storyline. The storyline, so it, it could be a whole thing, but I don't know. I just there's a lot of characters. They could have found a way to make if you pick Jasker, then you get these characters, this line, and you get cool. Let you get the story related characters, but they could have found a way to lock characters out entirely out of certain paths. Because I did not need any, any more mages. No, I didn't. I didn't touch them. I, I played with them for a little bit. Like, oh, this is cool, and then I was like, I'm just gonna go back to my girl. I like yeah. I can summon. I didn't need any, any, any other. Well, I say I didn't any other warriors, but I, I do fancy uh, when I play these, this genre of game. I do fancy a dual wielder. It's just always how I am. Warriors in the in this genre tend to do three things: dual hand, two handing a weapon, uh, one hand and a shield, one well, you know, one hand weapon and a shield, and then a dual wielding. And I always I always lean towards more towards dual wielding characters. Caleb is a two handed weapon guy. So whatever he's fine. Uh, Carissa ends up being your sword and shield. The only sword and shield in the game besides the automaton DLC mm-hmm. character. But uh, I did actually run a lot of time with two warriors in my party because I always had Zara in my party. Mostly because he had to be, because uh, you want all the storyline. But two, because Zara was my, he's your dual building character. And that's the kind of kind of character I tend to play. So I spent a lot of time playing as him, even more than, I don't know if I spent more time with him than Caleb. I don't, can't really remember, but usually swapping between the two. And you got to spend uh, even more about. It. We didn't talk about that much, but whole, all the maps, you got to swap to uh, the Devourer as well and run around a lot. It seems tedious at first, but you start seeing it because they have his own set of enemies, his own treasures, and stuff like that. I don't know if he has his. He don't have. There's no Devourer puzzles, but you do. Well, he's the solutions. Which he's the, he, all, the, all, the, all the solutions are hidden in the Shadow Realm, so you spend a good portion of the time switching back to him and running along maps and stuff like that too. And some paths, he has a special where only certain paths are open to him. Like he'll make, like, say there's something in your way, and you switch to the shadow realm, and it's not there no more. Stuff like that. Or it's like a, a dilapidated bridge. You switch to the spirit realm, and the bridge is spirit. still there in the spirit world. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. So a lot, of, a lot of that. So we kind of forgot to mention. Oops. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of game. That's why I thought we'd put one one game in this episode. Yeah. We couldn't shove. We couldn't shove this down to like a thirty minute segment. Heck no. No. We can't get it all in an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a great game. I think anybody should get, uh, give it a fair chance if you like this genre. Some people don't like uh, the button mashing aspect of it, but I think you can hold the tap button down. Some people don't like this. You hold some a. people are like, you just you hold a button down, your stuff just dies. That's boring. But there's a lot of party management, a lot of, you know, really grind in this game. But people, if, if you don't like the gameplay loop of getting loot and getting and watching your numbers go up, then this game's not for you. You already know by now if you're a gamer if this is the genre for you. And this does it as good as any other game of this genre we've played some bad variants of this genre i don't know if we've talked any on the podcast but i don't know if we talked any of the bad there's a, there's a couple of we do titan quest not yet we i think that was before we started the cast maybe there's a game uh, called titan quest I, I think it's been a long time now, but i think i have negative feelings for that it's been a while i had to look into it again to go back to it like we dropped it at some point, but every now and then, there's this genre can be done poorly, and it can be done really, really well. People tend to think that like Diablo is the high bar, but I, I feel like this game done it just as good, or sorry, mostly better than uh, any other game of the genre that I've played in, in a long, long, a long time. Because I, I just like the the way it felt and the way it played. Want to add anything right here? Okay. No, I got nothing. All right. I guess I hope hope we got it to be somewhat interesting. There's a lot of games. Like I said we we may have even barely scratched the surface of the first half of the game there's a whole other side of the a whole other side of a whole other bad guy and a whole bunch of layers of stuff the whole pentanera thing layer one more time yeah the pentanera and then the, who the other bad guys are and stuff like that some of the other characters what the crucible on. of souls is there's a whole thing God. that we're not going to get into yeah that's a lot of game very wonderful game though. 
yeah, we enjoyed it quite a bit. Big, big win for Gamefly. Because we have a, we have more, I think we have more negatives on, not, not the Gamefly service, but obviously, but the, we have a lot of hopefully bad games, which we, that's the whole point of the Gamefly. That's, like, that's what we appreciate Gamefly for, is keeping us away from the bad game. But this is actually a, a Gamefly win, we'll call it. And uh, with that, I just want to dedicate the rest of the time, Blaze Come I try to sell you on a TV show that we actually finished a couple, couple of months ago, I feel like. Something like that, yeah, a little while ago. I'm going to say it's so much of a spoiler to say that this, uh, you might get to it for a minute. The show kind of ends on a cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. uh, the show wasn't really canceled, but I never heard of it before, but the show ended on a cliffhanger in which it was trying to spin off into another show. I don't know if any other show like you have shows that have spinoffs that come out of the shows mm -hmm. but this show was trying to spin off into an entirely new show but keep the same characters sort of and spin off into a whole another it's very strange we're not even sure we don't even right now we don't know if they've I know, we know it's, been, it's been pitched and stuff like that we you know TV TV and movies take forever research Blake done the the new show has at least been pitched at this point it could be years if we ever see anything or we're just stuck on the cliffhanger ending of what the, of what the show ends on because it does, the show that we're talking about is called Into the Badlands. It's, uh, as of now, it is all on Netflix, so it's easily accessible to everybody. Four seasons? Five? Four. Th three. Mm -hmm. uh, it's three seasons. Uh, first episode, first season is six episodes, second season is ten episodes, and the third season is a part one, part two, where it's eight and eight. Because... Sure thing, four? No. That's not really short, what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Because te the, the third season it was broken into two parts, so technically it could have been season three and season four, but instead of doing that, they just made it part one and part two of season. Because I think they had discussed canceling it just outright, and I think they just made like, hey, can we finish? Because we have something we want to do in the end, and the people uh, who I guess run the productions and were like, okay, if you can, if you're willing, because they were trying to spin it off. Because the whole point of uh, End of the Badlands, if you don't know, is it's a uh, like what. Uh, Chinese wire work like mm. I, I don't know the exact term for that but Chinese wire work martial arts show people jumping around and flying and stuff like that it sounds silly but it, it doesn't well sometimes it looks silly but uh, it's very stylized it's it's, an, it's a very good style mm -hmm. Into the Badlands the story is where we pick up it has been 500 plus years since a particular cataclysmic event that ended a war. I don't know more than that. You just know we pick up in an area that is technically the United States. Mm -hmm. well, we find out, I, they don't ever tell you in the show, but you, you find out if you look on the mine and you can look at maps or the people, the creators of the show have give you an outline of what the Badlands actually are in the world. Mm -hmm. The Badlands is actually a swath of land that is between the Rocky Mountains and uh, the Mississippi River. That is all what the Badlands encumbers. And the it has its own hierarchy. Yeah. It is a, a feudal era 
society. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows Kung Fu. Yeah, pretty much. Because there's no advanced technology. Everything's hand-to-hand. Mm-hmm. You ha- if you can't fight hand-to-hand, then you either serve the people who do, or you die. Mm-hmm. It's very yeah. that. Yeah. And so, it kind of... There's a few different groups, and I'll get to them. But basically, you have the Barons who run the Badlands, and there's about five of those, maybe six. Each Baron has their Baroness, their their Queen, their second-in-command, and then they have a Regent, and the Regent is their military leader who runs all of their, mostly their Clippers. And Clippers are basically their trained hitman, assassin, their armies, their infantry, mm-hmm. it's them. And then from the Clippers, anything... Because everyone wants to be a clipper, because that's a better life. You're pampered a bit. And if you're not a clipper, then you're either a cog, you know, a cog in the wheel, you're a worker, ant, a cog, and some people who are appealing to the eyes get made into dolls, both men and women. Mm -hmm. So if you can't make it, if you're not pretty enough, you're just stuck working. If you're kind of pretty, you might just be a whore, (laughs) be a sex worker, be a doll. And it's a whole system. And then of those people, people who don't want to be in that, you have uh, the nomads, which are bandits. Anyone who's not under a barony, and they attack others and tend to be wiped out fairly quickly. <laughs> because they're, that shows that they don't have a ruling party, and that gives other cogs hope that they don't have to listen and be satisfied with their place in line. So they don't... Most barons will coordinate a deal to wipe out any roaming nomad groups. And inside, there is a another group called... He, it's a, a single individual. He is called the River King. And he basically runs supplies in and out of the Badlands. He has his own treaty because he is essential. He runs the river. Mm-hmm. Basically, in this case, it would be the Mississippi River, which is runs the entire north-south of the United States. So he has a pretty big reign, so he has a lot of pull and likeness to him. And that's just kind of explaining the world building. Mm-hmm. Our main character, uh, acted by a dude named Daniel Wu, awesome choreographer, awesome actor, plays a character named Sonny because of his uh, sunny disposition. Is that what I get the name from? Yes. That's what, they, that's what the, he was told. Because he has no memory of his past. Yeah, he's a he's a young man that they find at an early age who happens to be very gifted in martial arts, and rises very quickly to being clipper and then to being a regent, fairly quickly because he is amazing. At this point in time, he has the highest confirmed kill count of any clipper. Period. Yeah. And in order to keep track, everyone keeps track, they tend to have these little tally marks. Some of them put them on their face or on their arms, trying to like, look how many kills I got. You'll see it in a lot of the uh, promotional art and stuff like that of the TV show. All of Sonny's is entirely contained artistically to his back. Because he, part of the ruling is you have to, you have to show your kill. Part of their society is you kill, you get marked. That's the rule of being a clipper or a region. So he doesn't want people to know, so he puts everything on his back so it can't be seen. And that has some cool moments later on when like someone goes to fight with him and they, you know, rip his shirt and punch him out of his shirt, you know how these kung fu movies are, and he falls down and he stands back up 
and he looks back at him, and they see, you get the perfect shot of him looking over his back at them, and they see the tattoos, and you just see the people start quaking in fear, shaking on, oh no, oh no, this is, oh no. There's lots of times where people, one of our favorite scenes is when (gasps) there's another very quite accomplished martial artist woman, her, her moniker, she goes by the widow, there's a lot of story there, but she's a, you see her being quite accomplished throughout the show too, and there's a part in the <laughs> where she's doing something. She's breaking into. Um, I mean, you watch her destroy a bunch of people, and she's run to, run to this place, and she stumbles upon Sunny, and you see her kind of stumble, well, literally, kind of stumble and take a step back when she realizes who she's ran into. This is right after you watching her Mass- murder, massacre, like a quite a few people, and just seeing him. And realizing who he is makes her take a step back, and you're like, "Oh boy!" Because I think she's trying to break one of her. I think she's trying to break one of her people, maybe even her regent, out of the jail mm-hmm. of from his barony. And he happened. He's a very good man. He was break, taking the food to the person because he respects their title and what they've done, gone through to be a regent, and so he's paying respects like he's supposed to. And then this, the widow, having probably you just saw her kill probably. 20 people, maybe more, a bunch of lower-ranking people, but just go through them pretty quickly, you know. Ninja Star here, store through the neck here, kick out a window, rope tie, just murked a whole bunch of people. Yeah, all in heels. Yeah, she does spend the entire show in some stiletto heels. It's pretty amazing. And then she gets to the dungeon, and she makes it through this secret passage, and she's walking around, she turns the corner, and Sonny immediately turns around because he's very aware of his surroundings because he hears something, and you see it. She has her weapons drawn, and she looks up, takes a breath, it takes two steps back. She's like, uh-oh, I'm about to have to fight Sonny. Yeah. And so it was just, a, it's, it's an amazing moment. It's almost John, John Wickian. Yeah. Because people know who he is. Because at, at that point in time, it's like episode three, maybe? We're not entirely aware of Sonny's badassery just yet. Yeah. And, but then they build upon it in that point. Just, just like John Wick. Like, who is this guy? Why is everyone so afraid of him? Sonny is awesome. The, chore- the choreography, eight out of ten times is awesome. Sometimes it just looks really silly, but that, again, is the art style. You just have to separation from reality. Yeah. Because you're like, I don't know if this guy's really going to do a rolling cartwheel up a table that was just thrown at him sideways, but whatever. Yeah, the, the show gets more and more extravagant and kind of mystical as it goes along. Because uh, with the introduction of our a second main character called MK. Well, you going to waste time on that kid? We have to. He's in the entire show, and he's a, a big point. Because you find out uh, that MK, we don't know what MK stands for, he's just called MK. Do we never find out? I don't think so. I, we don't know. That's just his name. Is just the initials. You find out fairly early on this character MK is uh, captured after massacring a group of Sonny's Baron. His name is uh, Quinn. He's a very charismatic gentleman, and that's all I say. But a very good actor, very charismatic. He's he's a guy who definitely chooses the scenery, uh, but he's aware of how badass he is, and he has the game to back it up. And he, and he can fight. And he backs it up, which is all. Everyone, the good thing about this is everyone who talks, you're like, oh, that dude, he's... Everyone can back up what they're saying. Yeah. Nine out of ten times they can back up what they're saying. Mm-hmm. But anyway, his name's Quinn, and MK happens to massacre a group of his clippers. Because what happens is MK is found, uh, is uh, considered, he's found in one of these nomad camps I spoke about earlier, because he was... Uh, 
someone attacked a River King shipment. He was shipping cogs to one of these groups, and the nomads freed a whole bunch of people, and they're like, yay, we're free, and then the Quinn's group came in to wipe out the barony and put people back into being cogs or whatever. During this particular scene, MK is cut by one of the assailants' uh, knives or swords, and that's where the mysticism starts to come in. As he gets cut, and his eyes immediately go black, and he becomes uh, some sort of kung fu god, master. Uh, He's faster than everybody around him. He's stronger than everybody around him, but he... This is where people will start punching people through concrete, stuff like that. Yeah, like punching people, and they... They, not Dragon Ball Z, they don't go that far, but they'll punch them or punch a door off a car because they do have cars. Yeah, weirdly enough. <laughs> conveniently, can say, conveniently, like, how the Walking Dead has cars the whole time. And so while all this is going on, he actually ends up getting into a fight with Sonny, the most badass guy under Quinn's barony. He hurts Sonny, and everyone's like, Sonny can get hurt? <laughs> what? But the kid ends up tiring out. Yeah. Just kind of like, and face plants. And then that's you're like, what is happening? What? They have a, uh, he's eventually given a title or whatever he's called. They're called Dark Ones. And that is a whole slew of the other lore in this world. Yeah, that co- it covers the whole show. Um, different, different groups of people that are tied to him, uh, where they come from, and eventually a... The final, I guess, pseudo bad guy for the show is heavily involved in what the Dark Ones are and how to how they come about. But Sonny not wanting to kill MK, well, Quinn more than anything, because he wants that strength under his barony, because that'll make that'll give him even more power amongst other baronies, because he's thinking that he could take over some other people's barony and make himself even stronger. But so he tells Sonny to befriend and essentially train MK to be the most loyal of loyal, just like Sonny is. And that, you know, a budding friendship, I don't trust you, I don't trust this, I ain't a slave. And then he's like, I can kill anyone in this camp, all I can do is cut myself. And then Sonny does the whole wax on, wax off thing. He's like, that's not true power because you don't know how to control it, boy. (laughs) Type thing. And so they become mentor student and mentor pupil and then eventually become friends. And then... There's a whole thing. whole thing with MK. Uh, Ironically, it starts off kind of okay in the beginning with MK and Sonny. A lot of stuff happens where MK uh, eventually just becomes kind of a stupid character, to be honest. His character probably is one of the worst. There's Uh, a lot of flip-floppy with him, which is sad. I feel like uh, it's not even so much the actor's fault. I feel like he's probably even even gets where he's underused, and I think the writers might have not known what to do with him. After... After his initial relationship with Sonny and stuff like that, and stuff like that, I think they were lost. And what I feel like personally, they were lost in what to do with MK. And his whole last season or two, last season, season and a half, is just waste. Uh, it end up not even. I mean, I think that I, I think they didn't know what to do with him at a, at a certain point. They started introducing other uh, other characters where it made it kind of makes MK less special. Yeah, and you feel. I mean, a little spoilery. You think MK special at first. Surely you find out that he's really not special, and once you find out his character is not special... And that affects him. It affects him, his character. They let that kind of, he's you're not special, get to his character, which is okay, that works. But I think even even with the writing, they, they lose what to do with that character. Yeah. And so season one is mostly about that. I'm not going to go into in-depth on season two and season three, because I don't want to ruin the story or yeah. the characters. Most, I say most of season one has a lot to do with the... 
the Baronies and the War and a little the the, the MK and the Dark Ones stuff is more under like, under like the last episode. Yeah, it's not really about that. A whole ton of the first season is how the world works, how the multiple Baronies, the relationships between all the Baronies. Because with multiple, there's all these main characters, some better than others. Like like I said, uh, the main Barons being a uh, Quinn from one, uh, the Widow, when she's the Widow because she did she kill her husband she who was a Baron. Her, her He's already dead when the show starts. Yeah. So she got the moniker the Widow, I think because she killed him, or she, or they think she killed well, him. Well, because the whole thing of her is she's trying to free Cogs. Yeah, she's the freedom fighter kind of person. So she buys Cogs from other people and then sets yeah. them free on her and, land. And, and I think her and... Uh, that rubs a lot of the other barons the wrong way. Most of them. Quinn just likes things the way they are, so they already don't get along. And there's a couple of other barons, I will say. Quinn more or less rules the first season. Like you said, he's uh, like I said, he chews the singer, he eats it up. He's very charismatic. Very fun to watch. Yeah, really fun actor. He kind of owns the whole first season. Stuff happens and a to a good her. chunk of season, too. Yeah, so he, he has a large chunk of season one to him. There are other barons that I don't even think are even honestly worth... Because there's Chow, so much Chow, the woman Chow, who she's around, but I can't want to say too much, but she's around. She's just not that. She's kind of an uppity little person who's really not that interesting. And there's a few that you don't even see. Like, yeah, you know some, that some are there. names. Or so, so I think the, I think the writers have decided to particularly focus on the certain ones because of, I, maybe even because, I think when you write a show, you don't always know how good an actor's going to be. I think Quinn would have been one of those things where you like, People love Man, him. this guy's nailing it. Uh, so there ends up being a lot of Quinn, and then the Widow's plotline, and her actress is not, and her actress is really good too. Speaking of another uh, strong female, would be uh, Quinn's wife Lydia. Yeah, she's awesome. She is wonderful, though. She goes through a ton throughout the show. Oh, you yeah, can't she, spoil it all, but she goes through a ton. She probably goes through quite a, like the most, just about. Again, this is one of those things where she's kind of a. When you first meet her, she's a. You're like, oh, she's just a dainty baroness. You know, everyone does everything for her. We ain't got nothing to worry about. And then someone makes the mistake of trying to assassinate her, and yeah. you get to see she's, like, not, she's not one of the best fighters. She can defend. No. She can defend herself, but, but she's you not. get to see her cut loose on some fool who thinks he can take her. Yeah, I wouldn't say she's not. She's not on Quinn's level, or no, but she can fight. Yeah. Everyone, everyone can fight, and she, everyone gets their cool shining moments every couple of episodes. Yeah. She's got some pretty cool ones. But the most famous, uh, as you see, for like, I want to say, we talk about a lot about lore and stuff like that, but the most famous people in the Badlands were Sonny and the Widow. Yeah. They're known across the whole Badlands of who they are and what they're, what they're capable of. But even Sonny, there's, I think even the large parts of some of the later seasons, though the seasons tend to be about him, he takes a back seat a lot of the times to what's going on. Cause he gets kind of wrapped up in himself, not selfishly, wrapped up in himself might, might be the wrong word, he gets wrapped up in some events in his life, which, as you see, as the whole first season builds on the world, and Sonny's part of that world, but Sonny gets wrapped up in some personal stuff, mm-hmm. and then he takes a weird back seat as the storyline tries to still play out the other events while Sonny's not as much a part of them. It's weird because it tries to do two storylines at the same time, or more. Some characters are all over the place. Because even though it's called Into the Badlands, everything revolves around the Badlands themselves, who the ruling parties and stuff, but... As the world builds, they have to expand, and so we go outside the Badlands and see, like, the real bad stuff, like the stuff in the wastes and stuff like that. You see that much outside of the Badlands? I don't understand oh, yeah. that much out of the Badlands. Well, you have the uh, the pilgrimage, that whole area. Well, they come they come from out of it. That's, that's, that's late season stuff. You don't but know. not even that, where Baji comes from. Yeah, we'll get to, we'll to go into Baji right now. Baji's still a lot, of, a lot of the time in the Badlands. 
Well, yeah, even if he came from outside. But everything, because everything comes back to the Badlands, but they always start outside. Yeah. Where's he coming? I mean, he comes two. in season two. Yeah. So we'll spend a minute about, about the character Baji because he's really important because he gave the show what it, it so desperately needed, probably. Was a bit of levity? Is that the right word, Robbie? A bit, a bit of levity. I think I think that's the right word. So, uh, who better to bring a little comedy to a fairly serious kung fu show than Nick Frost? Yes, the exact opposite of someone you think would be yeah. in a kung fu martial arts movie. Yeah, a martial, a war war torn martial arts drama. Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, you see Nick Frost come bursting onto the screen. You're like. Is this a guest star? Like, what is happening? And he hangs out. Yeah, well, we'll spoil it, but he's, yeah. he's, he's around for a very long time. And I don't even know if they write his dialogue. <laughs> I feel like maybe Nick Frost, He's. I feel like maybe he's giving, I don't know. I feel like he's giving a bit of a an open-ended thing to some of this, because he is literally all the comedy is actually left on his shoulders, I feel like. Sonny don't make jokes. Widow don't make jokes. Quinn's funny in his own charismatic kind of way. But... Baji definitely introduces the theme because I think they they knew it's like it was too serious, too much of the time, mm-hmm. and like even Sonny as a character, he is a very solemn character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His story ain't happy, but the way he treats his life is with op- not optimism. It's the wrong word. It's just his, duty. Not even that. The way he takes all the bad, but he puts a, a happy. He jokes. He hides his sorrow with jokes and stuff like that. I mean, does he? He doesn't smile. He cracks one joke the entire show. Baji? Oh, no, uh, Sonny. Oh, no, no. I'm not talking about Baji. Baji, yeah. I thought they were talking about Baji's past is not good either, and what happens to him off the show is not really good, but he approaches every situation in his life with humor, of course. Uh, And is, I mean, hopefully you know who Nick Frost is, but uh, he is completely hilarious the entire show, and he's paired with Sonny a lot who is also, uh, he's very solemn, and Sonny don't make jokes. So you have both of them paired together. There are characters bouncing off of each other through a vast majority of the game where they're, Baji more or less thinks they're best friends, and Sonny's like, oh, we're kind of... We're acquaintances, yeah, maybe. We're, we're going in the same direction. <laughs> I did want to talk a little bit about Baji specifically, because I actually came across some uh, cool stuff when I was doing Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Baji specifically is based off of a character from a book called Journey to the West. It's a real famous Eastern book where his character is actually based off someone in the book called Zhu Baji, which is a, uh, a, it's a pig man. Hmm. And he happens to be, uh, he's one, because there's the main character and then there's like three sub-main characters. He's one of the three sub-main characters who assist the main character in that book. Mm-hmm. And when they're listening the similarities of his character, they're like, he's a pig man. Yeah. And he is most known for his laziness, his uh, gluttonous behavior, and his promiscuity for lusting after pretty women. <laughs> and all that is Baji. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't lust too terribly much, but he, I mean, is, he is kind of lazy and wants to find his way around. He's introduced good. inside a whorehouse. Well, maybe, but... <laughs> That's when we meet him in a whorehouse. <laughs> I, don't remember, I, don't, I don't remember him chasing, chasing women that much in the show. No, but he was in a whorehouse. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. where <laughs> it starts. But I just thought that was pretty funny that they like, oh yeah, this uh, is him. He actually brings, he actually kind of, his character kind of alone, and this lends a lot to Nick Frost, his character kind of, I don't want to say the show wouldn't have made it without Baji, but I think he brings he so much to the show that it kept kept us 
going. I mean, I probably would have watched the show all the way through, but he does a bit of a lift. And, and not only that he's not he's not just wasted on comedy, like he has massive parts in the story connected to people I won't say because the whole the whole this like any TV any kind of drama show like this, it's all encompassed in secrets and who knows who and who met where and stuff like that. Bobby's wrapped up in all of this stuff and every aspect of it, even from where he where he's introduced to people that's in the show before he is to people at the end of the show and mm-hmm. like it's all wrapped up into a, a nice little bow and him being on the run from these uh, other people yeah so I mean that's even better than that Baji who is a heavy set character does get a few shining moments where he is like everybody else in the show you realize all the all the main characters is a martial arts superstar <laughs> super genius which uh, you see him fight quite a, not as much as everybody else but you do see him fight some people and stuff like that and get get his get his kung fu on so it's funny to watch him fly around and stuff like that too and beat the hell out of some people I will say for the fighting the fighting is really good wire working just a lot of dust from being hit and stuff but in the last eight episodes I guess because they were new they were going off they decided to like really push the boundary with some of the violence and they started getting not like oh, 80s gore but they started doing like you know leaving blood on the swords and Baji does a punches a guy does a flip and then sits on his face on a dude's head and you see the impact and some like little blood spatter you're like whoa they're getting violent now I guess because they knew they were almost over well you'll notice the show is never really not violent but I think you do kind of see on the last part I guess not you say season threes and two parts the last part the last part it's like when they know that like at this point like well what are they going to do cancel us like you, you do you will see a noticeable uptick in violence they kind of I feel like they lean it towards the excuse of the characters that are involved at that time we talked about there being characters with strength to break through concrete there's an uptick of that, which has an increase in the violence. But I, you could definitely kind of feel like if you if you pay attention to the show outside of the TV show, you know that what they were ending, they were kind of knew they were ending, and maybe trying to do, do another show. But this is the point where the studio can't do anything. Yeah, like, let's just the violence definitely makes you take a step back a little bit near that the last parts of the how the show ends. See, I want to do a quick honorable honorable mention of a few people. Yeah, I did speak about Quinn, who's awesome, and here's another character who is actually Quinn's former regent before Sonny took over. This guy trained Sonny. Oh, the guy in the wheelchair? Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Waldo. And in a world of, like, feudal era, you don't think that they would respect disabilities. Mm-hmm. But this character, Waldo, he's the only one you see, but he is in a wheelchair. And, and you're like... And he can fight. <laughs> in that wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Like, say, you know, of course, like, some of the things come apart on the wheelchair in the weapons manufactured specifically for him. So he's pretty cool. But he may be in a wheelchair, but he is still probably one of the smartest people in the Badlands. And yeah. that's one of the when, things... When, when he's not fighting, he's, he's advising. Yes. Very well, I might add. Yeah. But I wanted to bring him up, because he gets a lot of uh, screen time. And that's actually played by actor uh, Stephen Lang, yeah. who's been in a lot of stuff that we've enjoyed. See the blonde guy? And, and Don't Breathe. Yeah. yeah, if you've seen Don't Breathe, a pretty cool movie we haven't really talked about here yet. The movie about the kids breaking into a blind guy's house. Mm-hmm. He's he plays the blind guy. He's also in uh, Avatar. He's one of, like the, the lead general and Avatar: The Last Airbender. No, no. <laughs> but he was also before they went with Josh Brolin. The three choices for Cable were Stephen Lang, Josh Brolin, and uh, Ron mm-hmm. Perlman. And they went yeah. with Josh Brolin, but he was in the running because he's he's built. He's yeah. older, he's got the same military haircut, but they ended up going with John Brolin, but very good actor. Yeah. 
we spoke about the widow. She has a young regent. It's her daughter, quote unquote. Not well, she calls all her butterflies or all her daughters. Okay. All the girls she's trained. It's all former dolls who she's trained in how to defend themselves. Yeah. So she has one of the... Yeah. Her character... What's her name? Tilda. Tilda gets an immense amount of screen time and, and quite a bit of story, but... I don't know, but, you know, but her most distracting feature of that girl is they cannot figure out what they want to do with this girl's hair. It's yeah. I hate to think of the like the Black Widow throughout the Marvel movies when like every movie they like they don't know what to do with Black Widow's hair. This girl like every couple episodes her hair is doing something else and you're like, what is happening here? It's slicked back. It's curled. It's in side ponytails. It's in. But it's not cut. Like she changes hair more than she changes clothes. More she changes clothes. And I would mention if it wasn't. Somewhat distracting. Like we noticed it pretty early on. Her character's fine. The actress is fine. And it's still, she's awesome. got plenty she to do. And she can fight, of course, like anybody else. But that her hair is distracting. Like every three episodes, is a different hairdo on her. It's yeah, but, but it, now it wouldn't be weird if everybody was doing this. But it's only her. <laughs> she's the only character who has her hair changing all the time. And I thought they were just, they couldn't figure out what to do. Like, they couldn't figure out what to do with it. And also, at the same time, you look at the roster of characters that we pay attention to. Yeah. Uh, the widow, the widow's a kind of a, it's a, either up or down. But she's a fancy lady sometimes, you know, she has to do court stuff and stuff like that too. Her hair does her, she's, she keeps it kind of normal, but, but you look at Sunny, you look at Baji, you look these at, these are dudes though. But, dudes. but you look at all the dudes, not, I mean, they have a militaristic hairstyle, very short. Yeah. And for the ladies, even Lydia, but her stuff tends to be early on is real uppity until she gets her hands more dirty and then she just lets it hang down loose and does whatever. And same thing with uh, the widow. She's got like battle braids and then like a little updo, but Tilda's was, I don't know. It's distracting. Maybe it was just because of the bangs. I'm, and I'm not a huge fan of bangs. I don't know. But <laughs> she has the worst bangs. Oh, I, don't know, I think it has a lot to do with she has like naturally really curly hair and they're trying to like do it and like but it's so too curly to cover it so it goes up so that's like and yeah, I don't know and why is her, why is her hair always wet because it's too damn dang curly to I don't know like no matter what her, she always looks wet it has a lot to do there's probably no air conditioning I guess but nobody Sorry. but she's standing in a room and she's the only person that looks wet I mean I like what's going on here but anyway that's a, that's just us that's probably not that's probably not what Mike wanted to say about that character but she's the pretty important she's a regent she's she's also very young which says good thing about, about her ability about her ability and how uh, intelligent she is when she's she's uh, relied upon heavily in the story and stuff like that I don't think I feel like some, that's also somebody too that kind of wanes in the later seasons yeah then the one of the last ones do we want to talk about... Okay, just real quick, and then I'll, I'll kind of wrap it all up. There is another character I want to talk about briefly, just because he is sheer awesomeness. Is There's a character called uh, Nathaniel Moon. Oh, yeah. What season is he? he? He's introduced in season two, and then he okay. goes from there. He kind of, he's, he's in and out, kind of yeah, doing his he, own thing. This guy, Nathaniel Moon, uh, we spoke of a... Uh, of Sonny having the highest kill count in the Badlands, period. Then they decide to introduce someone slightly cooler. I'll say it's cool. Well, not cooler, but Nathaniel Moon has the highest kill count to the point he was myth. Like, we didn't think, people didn't think he was real. <laughs> and then Sonny encounters him because he got to a point where he had so many kills, he literally has 999 kills. He, he wants, yeah, he wants his his uh, thousandth kill to be someone very, 
very special. And then that's when he encounters Sonny, and he wants Sonny to be that kill. But uh, Sonny really doesn't want to fight him, not because he's scared, because he has no quarrel yeah. whatsoever with Moon. Yeah, and that's the other thing with Sonny. Is, is, that, is that Sonny's... I can't remember, it's been a while. That's yeah. Sonny's stance, kind of like, I have no fight with you. He's like, I'm, I'm doing what I'm told. I don't have any quarrel with you. I'm not... I'm, I'm out. But Nintendo won't take no for an answer. And that leads to like a little rivalry and like... They just uh, they build his character from that moment, and he, he he ends up becoming fairly prominent. He's a pretty cool character. He grows a lot from that. Before we end all this, one of the reasons it it's about a year in between each season, and it's noticeable some of the younger characters age fairly yeah. quickly between seasons. But I found out it was because the the creators and the choreographers wanted the show to be as real as possible. As it, yeah, they, use, they all use real martial arts. Mm-hmm. They all use a, a, a real style, so everyone has their own style that they are trained in. Mm-hmm. But in between each season is an additional year for training, wire work, choreography, and actual choreography. So each person legitimately... To the, so there's some things that they just they don't want to uh, endanger the actors' lives, like some of the stuff yeah. that involves them like jumping off buildings. Didn't and, the actress or the widow namely wanted, want to do... She wanted your first stuff, yeah. not all. Well, they all, because she she saw that some of the other people were doing it, and she was like, "I want to do it." I think season two and three she got more, but season one she was kind of held back a little bit. Mm-hmm. But seasons two and three, and I think because she started doing it, everyone was like, "Yeah, we'll all do it as a team because we fight each other, and it's better that we know, and it makes it easier on filming instead of having to like yeah, film yeah, just yeah, the, yeah, the actual person there, so you can do better shots." Instead of just like focusing on the feet or focusing on the soap, but you can do a full wide shot of a room and see the, the actual character doing the work. So I did think that that was really cool and worth mentioning. That the actual actors, Got very I'll involved. say it was more than half, maybe like 80% of the time it is the, them. The lead combatants. I mean, there's, yeah. There is like, I mean, there's, there's lots of fighting in the show, but there are the, the ones you see fight all the time. Yeah, you know, you see Widow fight a lot. You see Sunny. I think Sunny fights less than the Widow, to be honest. I feel like they, well, they, they, Sonny, they get to a point later in the later in the show. I feel like they kind of save Sunny for when it matters, but they kind of mix that in with, with his character. Yeah, like I say, when Sunny had no quarrel with Moon, Sunny's beginning his whole life is fighting. It's all it's always ever known, and stuff stuff changes. He gets to a point where I don't I don't have to do this no more. And he, he gets really selective on when he when when he fights. whether or not he wants to fight, even if he even wants to fight anymore. Yeah. So yes, I couldn't because the TV show it's kind of hard to find a tagline for a TV show, so I yeah. couldn't really find one. We did a run random side note before we do tie off the uh, the the title track for Into the Badlands is actually created by uh, Mike Shinoda. Yeah, Mike Shinoda of uh, Fort Minor and Lincoln Park fame. It's weird you'd say Fort Minor first. <laughs> My brain alphabetically F comes before L. My brain shot that out first. Yeah. So it's a title track that I'm sure I played earlier when we first said it. It's all right. It's a it's a title track. It ain't nothing to really write write home about. Yeah, he got um, paid for it. <laughs> yeah, uh, the show. I don't think the show drags. There's not enough episodes for the not enough episodes for them to worry about filler. And I think it's because of probably the cost and the time dedicated to production. Mm-hmm. Because the choreography of the fights, because of costuming, because of location, I feel like who knows how much money they put into this show, but they couldn't waste any time. No, there's there's no there's I said there's not very many episodes like place to be in. There's not very many episodes because 
There's just not time for it, and there's no there's no waste in this show. There uh, there's characters that maybe not end up, character like, like any show characters that don't end up where you want them, or characters you feel are under underutilized, like I said before, and stuff like that. But the show's kind of always moving forward. Uh, you do you do get to a cliffhanger ending, which we we hate cliffhanger endings for shows. Usually, you get it when a show is canceled. This show is actually given a pseudo ending. It's an ending which is made on the way it's made on purpose. Like it, the show wasn't canceled per se, like Blake said, but the show was given the ending that leads into what would be a new show. They do want to run another show, but they they want to do a. Uh... From what I read, yeah, spoil that stuff. Kind of, kind of spoil a bit of the ending. Yeah, they wanted, they just wanted to do a, a time jump as well as a genre, genre jump from a China, like a Chinese feudal era. They wanted to jump to another genre, but still utilize some of the same characters, some of the exact same characters. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping it works out because I will watch it, and yeah. I hope that you guys uh, watch Into the Badlands if you hadn't already. Yeah, it's all on Netflix right now. So, easy to easy to find. Yeah. If anything, use the uh, there's between uh, both the Shadows Awakenings game. Uh, I, I, we hope probably not hope uh, we doubt any of any of y'all's played it. We pick we pick random games like this sometimes. Uh, but if you actually end up playing the game, uh, both this game and then the show are both fairly spoiler heavy. We would like people to utilize the Facebook Facebook groups and kind of talk about. It. We'd love to talk more in depth about these things. Oh, definitely. With uh, people who are listening and stuff like that, let us know your favorite characters, or maybe even your favorite fights and stuff like that. Or even if you end up playing this game, let us know if you had a favorite character in Shadows Awakening. Cool stuff, anything like that's awesome. Just maybe try to warn folks. I mean, you, you see spo- these spoiler tags all over the internet, so maybe maybe put, put a bit of a little spoiler warning on the on the top of your top of your post if, if anybody does anything like that. We try our best to avoid spoilers in this thing in this show, but God, it's. It's, Sometimes I've just spoiled whole way. We spoil large swaths. Even talk about multiple seasons in, in uh, this show. It's kind of spoilerly saying that some characters that are alive in season one are still alive in season four. And you can't. It's it's, it's inadvertently expo- you know spoiling that that they're still around in a show where lots of people die. Mm-hmm. But we do hope people will talk about it, watch this stuff, and tell us what the, what they think about it. Reach out to us in the Facebook group, the Facebook chat, and or our uh, Instagram. Instagram's fine too. I think Instagram's not as easy to talk to talk on as Facebook is, but sure. you'll see the our ongoing. Hope Wake can find. I don't know if you've looked at find any good character art because, like I said, the art style of Shadows Awakening is really cool. It would be easy. I have I have a lot of game art. I can go back and separate for all the individual character arts. I can do that. Yeah, the character art looks really cool. And then I mean, I guess the general art of anything in that show would just be people holding swords and stuff like that. But I don't know. You got anything else? I want to wish everyone a uh, good evening and uh, good night. <laughs>